information we're going to share with you, and then we're going to go back into history and discuss some of the, the many things that helped to make uh, Cautious Magazine what it is today. Uh, let's go first to something that's cutting edge. You may have seen it, may not have seen it. It's a very interesting thing. In Israel, the uh, Rabbi Yaakov Litzman, who is the uh, health minister for the, for the state of Israel, just issued a very interesting uh, announcement. It says that the, uh, there's a reform in the uh, food product labeling, which is that those kinds of foods that are problematic, such as high in sugar, salt, or saturated fats, so they have a special red label. If you'll see a red label thing in Israel, it's, that's nice. It's, like, it's, like, it's a nice look, but it's a sign that it is something high and something wrong or something uh, it's a little dangerous, a little, a little problematic. Uh, so the other ones that, have, that are considered to be safe are going to bear a green sticker. So on the next trip to Israel, take a look and see if it's green or if it's red. And uh, you have to follow the rules. Normally we say in America, you know, if it's green, you go. Determining what is acceptable to them, and it's interesting to see if it, how it fits with our concepts here as well. So if it has 13.5 or more grams of sugar, or 500 milligrams of salt, or 5 grams of saturated fat per 100 grams, then that's considered to be the one that's problematic. Uh, in liquids, you have to be, it has to be less than 400 milligrams of salt, 5, milligrams, five grams I'm sorry, of sugar, and 3 grams of saturated fat to avoid getting that red sticker. The green stickers are going to be given to the products that the health ministry can recommends. For example, tofu and soy products, dairy products, vegetable oil, nuts and seeds. They're going to all have these green stickers, uh, green labels. And uh, whole wheat products like leg and legumes and tahina and fish and eggs, chicken, fruit, and vegetables, because that's considered to be the better side of the food chain. But packaged products will bear a sticker on the label, while products that are purchased in open bins will have a sticker uh, that's going to be nearby. You'll have to have that in the store. So this is, uh, he said this is an important reform that will, load, will sorry, lead to better health for Israelis based on the understanding that citizens have a basic right to know what is in the products they purchase. So this is a very, very beautiful thing. But listen to the... Uh, last paragraph of this article, according to the ministry's figures, this is in Israel, 13% of Israelis' seventh graders were overweight. 13% of seventh graders were overweight in 2018. 17.4% of children, that's 17.4% of children were overweight. 10% of children suffer from diabetes or are pre-diabetic, the majority with type 2 diabetes. So they're dealing with the problem head-on, and unfortunately in this country we don't have exactly that situation yet. Yes, we have to have the labeling, and of course we have to read it,
But uh, at least this tip, I think Rabbi Litzman deserves a big shkoyach for this. I think that uh, that's a that's a very beautiful step that they're taking over there, and one one more reason for uh, the importance of of, of Eretz Israel setting the way to us, not just in Torah but also in and these things as well. Now, there's a lot this week about this uh, this, this whole situation that happened with Ben Gurion Airport in Israel, where they uh, have a McDonald's that's open on Shabbos and it has the Rabbanut Hashkocha. There seems to be a lot, a lot of opposition to it. I read a number of articles, and people. Somebody sent me an, an email. Seems to be that you know people are not satisfied with this, and they're confused because on the one hand, the, the rabbanut says you can't give ashkocha to somebody that's open on Shabbos. On the other hand, the hotels will have uh, restaurants that are open on Shabbos, and uh, if you want to eat a meal there, they have some way of recording that you ate the meal there, and if you coming from the outside, there's some way or other that you can prepay or pay or whatever it is. I don't know exactly how it's done with Shabbos over there. Hopefully you don't pay any money. But it seems to be that they're skirting the line, and in, in Israel there's a lot of opposition to this. Some people feel that, that all restaurants should be allowed to be open on Shabbos, which of course would be a travesty. The whole country will be affected by it. And even though uh, some people want to do it for, for good reasons, they want the socialization and they invite family and friends and share and I don't know, all kinds of interesting ideas, but it's misubach, as we say. A third thing in Israel is, which is unfortunately becoming very much part of the lifestyle there. You know, since the opposition to the rabbinate started a few years ago, very heavy opposition to the rabbinate, and uh, the, uh, the the government decided that the rabbinate of Israel is to continue to be the only ones allowed to give kosher certification. So now, very popular in Israel is uh, is this Zumamish Lo Tudat Kashrut. This is a sign Zumamish Lo Tudat Kashrut. This is definitely not a tudas kashrus. This is definitely not a tuuda, which uh, would, and of course they zumamish lo is in one kind is is separated from tudat kashrut, so that the tudat kashrut is visible and it looks like it's saying tudat kashrut, but in the same lettering, just a different size, it says zumamish lo tudat kashrut. Well, if it's low to dot kashrut, well, stay home and forget about it. The answer is they want to give you an impression. So here's what one of them says. I'm reading it to you. According to one of these uh, terrible uh, decrees in Israel, Yisrael, the, the state of Israel put forth, that I'm not allowed to say to you, says this to, this this not to dot kashrut. I'm not allowed to say to you that all of the food in this establishment. I'm not allowed to tell you that you're allowed to eat this according to halacha. Even though it's the truth, that's not called hashkacha. I'm telling you, I'm not allowed to tell you that that everything is. You can eat everything here according to halacha, which is the truth. And that's not called hashkacha yet. Wow. 
אם אגלה לכם, if I would tell you, שהמזון כאן לא רק טעים ונקי, not only does the food here taste good, and it's clean and, and it's uh, safe, אלא גם קשה לגמרי, and also it's kasher 100%, אעבור על החוק, I would be breaking the law. וכיוון שאנו שומרי חוק, and since we keep the law, אינני, אינני יכולים לספר לכם את האמת. I'm not allowed to tell you the truth. שאנו מקפידים על כל כללי ההלכה, that we are careful about all matters of הלכה. החל משמירה על כל דיני הכשרות, which starts by keeping all the laws of כשרות. ויד האיסו לשחד משגיחי כשרות, and they were not allowed to bribe the משגיחים. וכיוון שאסור לנו לגולוס דוד לכם, And since we can't tell you this, לא אמרנו כלום, we didn't say anything. אז אם אתם מעדיפים תעודות של המוסד המסואב הנקרא, אבל אם בא לכם על אוכל טעים, אבל אם אתם רוצים משהו שטעים, נקי, או כזה שהוא כשר, Good and tasty and healthy and, and, and kosher, למרות שאסור לנו לומר לכם את האמת, even though we're not allowed to tell you the truth, שהוא אכן כשר ואז כושר, חס, יללה, ייכנסו כבר, come in already. לא חבל לכם על הזמן, isn't it a big waste of time to stand outside? Okay, this, this may be at kibbutz, I'm not sure, I, I would guess so, but there are some that are more clearly not a kibbutz, And this one is put out from the Mesorati organization. The Mesorati organization is the conservative movement in Israel, and, and it has a sign, that this, this establishment does not have hashkocha from the rabbinate. That's how they have a sign. This is not hashkocha from the rabbinate. This is not kosher according to the rabbinate. But it means to say, we are giving kosher. This is going on, and it's a pretty sad state of affairs. How much is real, how much are they putting these things up, and how much is this a kibbutz? I cannot tell you, but the Masoreti is not a kibbutz. And I have, a, I have one over here, which is signed by a rabbi, Yaakov Harar. And this Yaakov Harar says, It does not have a tuuda of being kosher. According to the, the prohibition of giving hashkocha if you're not the rabbinate of Israel. So in other words, this place does not have a rabbinate. Now, it is a long letter. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. I'll give you a little few pieces. And this definitely... is a real letter, and it really is up, this Rabbi Yaakov Betzal Harar. And uh, it was for cu- its current, and it's uh, for a particular place. I'll leave the name out. Which tie into Kashva somehow. 
So therefore, in other words, we're saying not that they're, they're saying not that they give hashkacha, but that the owner accepts all these conditions. Sort of a way back way of supposedly giving hashkacha. What's interesting is the first one is that he, how he treats his workers and the workers of the establishment is good for the workers. It's a, it's a pleasant environment. Then it goes on to talk about how, how the high quality of the food. This is all part of his not hashkacha, okay? And then he, he, he claims that, that the, the fruits and the vegetables are definitely healthy and there's no, uh, there's no toxins, there's no poisons on it. And then he, he said that then he said tumors and mices were taken off and a whole bunch of other things were done and the Bishul Yisrael proper, etc., etc., etc. But now the problem is, if you're giving a non-tudat kashrut, and you're and you're having your owner sign that he's taking responsibility, so who really is watching this place? I mean, is there a mashkiach? And if there is a mashkiach, is it the rab, the rab, the rabbi who is hiring the mashkiach, or is it the owner that's hiring the mashkiach? Even when they claim to be doing everything proper and just not using the name of kosher, it's still very, very, very tricky. And this, unfortunately, is what's going on. An interesting note, and I think this is a very state state of affairs, although it's, I hope it's uncommon. I have it here that they removed the hashkocha in Israel from Beit Chayal, which is the so where the soldiers are, uh, and it, this is no longer a kosher place that was under the Rabbanot. The Rabbanot removed it from Beit Chayal, which means that that, that uh, where the Chayalim or Chayalim over there, you know, it's not kosher anymore. And this midbach, this uh, this uh, kitchen, uh, should not be used for any affairs because it was. I don't know if you realize it is one of the weakest places in terms of uh, the standards of kosher, and still they dropped this place. So uh, you know, it's an interesting, an interesting land. I'm going to read to you a few of the uh, highlights from our January and February kashrus monthly, and because I think they're very important to note, uh, they haven't been mentioned here. One is Marzano spaghetti sauce which is from a, com- a company in North Northumberland, Pennsylvania, called Fermano. Marzano spaghetti sauce, believe it or not, some of them have non-kosher beef and has an OU on it. Um, so it seems that the labels that the one that is kosher and the one that is treif look almost exactly the same, which is very sad that Till this time, we've never been able to get companies to cooperate, to separate labels. First of all, they shouldn't be doing kosher and non-kosher. But if we're doing kosher and non-kosher, at least the identification should be clear. And here it says from the OU that the labels for the kosher and non-kosher products look alike except for the ingredients. Well, of course, the ingredients are different. So you're supposed to, you hear this? You're supposed to look. Consumers should look at the ingredient statement and verify whether or not beef is listed as an ingredient. If the beef is listed, then it's trife. If it's not listed, it's OU certified. You have to look at the label, which looks exactly the same, and read 
the ingredients in the product to make sure that it is kosher from the OU. That's a terrible situation. I haven't heard such a thing like that be happening, you know, on a regular basis at all. I haven't heard such stories before, but that's scary. And when they say, look for the, they, you know, I don't know if you, if you read the things I do, it, it always says, OU always says, look for the OU on a label. Well, if you look for the OU on a label, you'll find it. Only thing is now you have to look at the ingredients to decide if it's kosher. But if you see this product, call, uh, contact. Contact kosherq at ou.org if you see. Next, there's a company called Duck Trap, Duck Trap River of Maine. It's an interesting uh, name, Duck Trap River of Maine. They make a herring, and it seems that the herring, uh, they have herring with cuts in wine sauce that really isn't wine sauce, but it's really cream sauce. outside and says that it's in wine sauce. So you have to be able to check the sell-by date. It's a 12-ounce jar. Date of July 29th, 2020. If you find that, it means it's really milchix and it's really cream sauce and there's real cream in there. That's what it means. It's sold all over the United States. This particular, it doesn't tell you how many uh, uh, of these got out, but it says the recall products are from Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Maine, Massachusetts, Missouri, New Hampshire, New York, North Carolina, Ohio, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. So I suppose I'm safe because it's not here in, in, in New Jersey unless they... ...cream sauce. Okay. Conagra Brands, a very famous company in Chicago, they make lachoy bean sprouts and lachoy chop suey vegetables and lachoy fancy lachoy bean sprouts, lachoy chop suey vegetables and lachoy fancy mixed vegetables, 14 ounce cans, unauthorized, okay. And they said these products are not kosher. Okay, next. There's uh, two, two companies called, one's Giant, that's a famous store, uh, you know, a chain, and Stop and Shop, also famous store chains. And they make a number of products, including uh, soup mix with dill and parsley, Brussels sprouts, halves, and cauliflower rice and vegetable blend. 
that bear an unauthorized star K. Next, we're up to February, and this is uh, an interesting one. Uh, I mean, not so... <laughs> this is a little, piece, a little piece in here. To me, is interesting. Trader Joe's cinnamon roll bread has a cup, a KVH parva, and it really is dairy. Also, the thing is, it says, calls it bread. The company calls it cinnamon roll bread, but it's not really bread. Halachically, it's field imizonos. It's not, it's not a bread. But the company calls it bread, so the bracha is one thing, and the, and the part of a dairy is the other thing. Now, the Anderson dairy, now this sounds silly. Maybe it is silly to even waste your time with it. Anderson dairy in Battleground, Washington, has whole milk, 1% milk, 2% milk, non-fat milk, and whipping cream that has an okay, but it really is okay tea. Not so exciting because, you know, you, it obviously has milk in it. This one is interesting, although I don't believe most of us are going to get it, but it could. It could come to the country. It could still be there. 2000 615 units of Anat Food Industries muesli fruit yogurt with raisin and date honey in 310 gram size. Anat, E-I-N-A-T. They, they're in Israel. They make muesli fruit yogurt with raisin and date honey. And it Those who eat kidneys, kidney oat, right? So he said, so this um, this uh, product over here with the yogurt just happens to have granola in it, even though it says kashula pesach, it just happens to have granola. So obviously, it's not really uh, it's not really kashula pesach. And it, uh, another one, and this will be the last one we'll give you. Post honey bunches of of oat cereal in several varieties change from OUD to plain OU from that from OUD because it had whey in it to becoming parva. Many stores now have these mixed up, so you have both of them in the same uh, you know in the same shelves. The post honey bunches of oat cereal. So make sure if you get used to the idea that it's parva, then please realize that some of the dairy ones are still being sold right with it. That concludes the regular part of the show. What I want to do in the next little bit, next half of our show, is to basically uh, accomplish a little bit of Hakaris Atov. Now, Kasha's Magazine has been here for 40 years. In 1980s when we started. And uh, it started in October. I got a call today. This sort of got me a little bit interested in talking about this. I got a call today from somebody who's been getting it from either 1980, 81, 82. He's not sure, but uh, he, he remembers it in its original form. This conscious newsletter, and it was a very small thing. And it was uh, there's a way of telling how old, how long the people have been reading it, based upon what they remember about the magazine. And this fellow lives in Borough Park. That's where it started back in 1980. The magazine we actually. You know, we lived in 
Borough Park and then in Flatbush, now in Lakewood, and the, the, the magazine went along with me. But the uh, it had been distributed originally from from a different state. So this is actually the third state that we are distributing from. But Hakara Satova is important, and I want to go back a little bit in the past. If you're familiar with the magazine, Kasha's magazine, you see a, a you know regular publication comes out five times a year. We've been doing it for the 40 years. There are people who helped it get started and kept it going. I'm going to only mention a few names. Time allowing, we'll mention a few names, and then the one or two stories may be in the middle as well. So, of course, uh, the biggest Hakaras Atova is Kaddish uh, Baruch helping me do this for these 40 years, and my wife, Sozain Gazunt, who is uh, you know, not, on the, not on the masthead, but as she has been working behind the scenes and uh, basic capacity as a, uh, as a copy editor for that's, that's a what part of it. And she carries the burden of some of the decisions that we make. Baruch Hashem for all these years should continue for many years to come. Some of the people that come to mind when I started thinking about who, who helped me with this magazine, one was Mayor Bendet. Mayor Bendet, uh, if you know him, fine. If you don't know him, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Mayor Bendet used to be uh, doing typesetting in his basement, and uh, that's where... We used to go, we used to be producing the magazine in the very early years, and eventually, and he gave me a lot of the insight and pushed the magazine. Felt it was very very important, and uh, it was, and he gave it a big lift. Eventually, we went on to another uh, another place, which was owned by a uh, goy by the name of Doug Killian, and Doug, a goy, uh, saw the value of Cassius magazine. I don't know what. He saw in us. I really don't know. He didn't understand what it was all about. But there's no in those days, you needed somebody who cared, and he cared. He can't tell you why. I have no idea. But when I came in, he would tell all the workers, "Take care of the rabbi." And that, and that was it. In those days, you you didn't type. You, what you did was you had a special way of, of, of using codes, and the type would come out based upon those codes, and it was on a certain kind of uh, surface that you waxed, and you put it onto boards, and then you took pictures of the boards, and that's how you got your magazine. The pictures were printed, you know, like in any print, and that's exactly how you got your magazine, by pasting the, on boards. And he gave, and he used to give me like carte blanche, and I would sit there, and uh, we would we would go through the magazine in one day. It was impossible, but we did it in one day. So I'm going to share with you one story, and nothing to do with Kasha's magazine, but it's a very interesting story, because the one who was in charge of that department was a a, a lady by the name of. Jane, I don't know her last name. And somebody told me she was Jewish. Anyway, it so happened that I was there on Cholamoyed one time to pick up something. And 
she was there. And, and somebody had told me she's Jewish. Don't ask me how this happened. But I had my, I had the pit, I had my, my, my sorry, my, I had my lulav and esterick in the car. And here I am in New Jersey. Those days we lived in New York and it was, it was, I was in, in New Jersey. And the, this Jewish lady is there. So I had the chutzpah. What can I tell you? That's, uh, I'm not a Lubavitcher, but I was brought up in the neighborhood with a rabbi who stopped people and, and asked him, would you like to do the mitzvah of Lulav and Esrik? So I had it in the car. I said, I, had, I pulled it out. And I went to her and I said, would you like to do the mitzvah of Lulvanesra? Now, you don't know who she is, but she was a, a woman who was extremely organized and on top of everything, and everything had to be just so, and she was totally in control of everything. She, she managed this fairly large office with not quite a few people working there and she was in charge of all the, everybody and she takes this lulav and esrig and I try to help her with the bracha why I say I try to help with the bracha because we didn't get too many words and she broke down crying and I was embarrassed I mean it was really hard to sit stand there and to watch this woman young woman but to watch this woman struggling that was in her past, something that she was living in her past. I have no idea what, I have no idea what it meant to her. I really have no idea. But I never saw emotion involved in a mitzvah. I never saw someone lose it like this for so long. And then I knew, you know, at a certain point, we, you know, we concluded it, and I didn't ask her, I didn't pry, and we both went, went on whatever we were doing. But I realized that the mitzvahs touch people so deeply. Something, whatever it is, can go so deep. We don't really understand it. No, uh, I heard over Shabbos, a very interesting statement in the name of Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe Feinstein said, it said, we say, Hashem, please don't take our Ruach HaKodesh away. What Ruach HaKodesh do we have? We don't, we don't have Rashi's Ruach HaKodesh. We don't have the Ruach HaKodesh of the Nevi'im, Jews who saw at the Yamsuf. What's the Ruach HaKodesh? So Moshe Feinstein says the Ruach Kotshecha is our enthusiasm for a mitzvah. What we put into a mitzvah, that's called Ruach Kotshecha. That's our Ruach Kodesh. That's our spirit, our Holy Spirit is in the mitzvah. And sometimes a mitzvah touches somebody so deeply, you never know what it does. You really don't know. You don't know where it's going. And what, and what the implications are. But she took that little of an Ezra and something very deep in her heart, whatever that was. I just thought that's a nice aside. When I think back about the people who helped the magazine, 
the name Sar Halimi comes out because Sar Halimi was my first salesperson selling advertising. We had an advertisement. You will never believe what I'm going to tell you now. We had an advertisement in the Jewish press. I'm not giving an advertisement for the Jewish press, but we had an advertisement for the Jewish press back in 1980, and we were looking for somebody to sell advertising. And we got something close to 200 responses. I'm not joking. About 200 responses. It was more sugar. And the phone was just not stopping ringing constantly. I can't tell you. It came out right before the summer. People needed a job. It was a part-time job. It was just, it was my sugar I was. So this woman, Sarah Halimi, she answered the ad, but she answered it on the phone, and she was lost in the shuffle because there were there were uh, there were two hundred responses, and then she showed up at the door, and when she showed up at the door, she got the job. <laughs> that's that's what happened, and uh, she sold our first advertisement for the magazine. It was definitely an appreciation. The name of Shimon Eider that sound. I was very close with Rabbi Shimon Eider. I went to his shiurim, but I was close with him in, in many ways. I'm not going to go detail it over here. But Rabbi Shimon Eider did a tremendous amount to be Mechazek, Kashrus magazine. Number one, after each issue, for a very long period of time, after each issue, he would call me up and make some kind of comments. Like this, this was important. You got to do that. You got to do this. He he was definitely behind the scenes helping the magazine from very very early in the game. He uh, he pushed the concepts that we were coming up with with the un, with the unauthorized labels, unauthorized the supervisions, you know the, the, the all these uh, kosher alerts, and he would go to the kosher agencies and complain. How come there's so many alerts against you? How come, you know, Cautious Magazine has so much here? It, it was amazing how, that, how much that man was back behind the, supporting the Cautious Magazine. And that's why I dedicated forever the consumer alert section that has his name on it. Another person, of course, I mean, my rebellion of of Shamshim Bransky, but more so of Rabbi Zim and my Rebbe for 30 years. We used to ask him, Shilas, about what to do and how to handle this situation. And sometimes he would tell me on his own, Rebbe Yosef, you can't do this. <laughs> sometimes he would, I have to, it was one case I had to retract something. He was very upset. He didn't like what we put in, even though the big rabbi is behind it. But he said, this is not, you don't, we don't want to do that. And we didn't. It was we. It was. Uh, it was part of the, the program because it was part of the. It was really originally part of Kashrus. The magazine was part of uh, Yeshiva Birkas Ruvain. and the Zimmerman would occasionally tell us what we could do, we couldn't do, and we had a question. We asked him. But I remember there was one. I don't want to get into the details because it would. going to talk about the details, but there was a certain thing that was told to me by very reliable people 
and I put it in the magazine, and he said that he didn't feel that we, we should believe that what this man is saying, this rabbi is saying, and uh, we should not support what they was what he was saying. It wasn't kashras per se, but it was related. Rabbi Zalman Dax Zalzan Gazunt has been a friend of mine for many, many, many years. We go back to when I was about 20 years old, um, and we worked together on a number of projects together, most notably, well, we were in the Yeshiva Student Council together, but more importantly, uh, we, he, was cre- he created together with me the um, Agudas Yisrael's Summer Erev Inspection Committee, which we set up, we went on for many years, checking Erevim in the, in the Catskill Mountains in the summer. So that was one thing he was very actively involved in. But there were a number of things, and, that, and it, his name definitely comes up in remembering about Kasha's magazine and some of the work that we did. Rav Zusha Blech, Zusha Yosef Blech, Zatzal, he was an amazing Jew, amazing Jew. Um, what can I tell you? If you don't know who he was, you've got to see his book. His, his book about about how the, the kosher industry it's a, it's a classic. It can still buy it maybe for one hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. It's not it's not cheap. Uh, it's over a thousand pages. He was a vociferous writer and he had total command on every area of kashrus. And he wrote for us regularly. We used to take his articles one after the other. I would be editing them to who knows what time in the morning, and uh, he would just be coming out with these with these tremendous articles on every aspect of Kashrus. Finally, he wanted to put in a book. We gave him permission, and uh, he was about the personal simplest of mine, a very close individual, somebody who uh, the world lost. Such a wonderful man and an expert in Kashrus. Very, very special Jew. Abi Benjamin Chandelov, Benjamin Chandelov, we talked about him, I think, recently because we mentioned in the magazine when he passed away, we wrote about his, uh, his life and his uh, involvement with Kasha's magazine. If you want to see it, it's in volume number 197, January 2020. Uh, you, can, you can check it up. It's the most current issue. It's still, it's still out there. And uh, that, that's Rabbi Shandalov. He was the head of the CRC, the Chicago Rabbinical Council, and he formed the ACO organization, which is the Association of Conscious Organizations, which grew very, very large and very important. But he was the beginner. He was the, he was the source of all the information and building it up. And he was a tremendous supporter of the efforts of my Conscious magazine. Another Jew who was very, very helpful all the, uh, uh, for, for a long time was Rabbi Yitzhak Isbi, Allah Shalom. Rabbi Isbi Bush. would make an announcement that Kashas Magazine, when he got his Kashas Magazine for the summer, the June issue, he would make an announcement in shul about Erevin. 
every year. And he came to me and said, you know, I got in the magazine late this year. You know, you have to know that if I, if I get a late, I have to tell the people about this before the summer. And Because I used to have articles on in Eruv in the summer. We used to make pictures because we had the Eruv committee, so we went, they took pictures. And then by the next year, we had the, you know, the whole thing laid out for the uh, summer issue with pictures of different Eruvman problems, etc. And he loved it. He loved that. And he would... Talk to, he would talk to people about it in shul. Every, he would make an announcement every year. And then when I stopped the Yerv committee, because there wasn't an interest at that certain point in, in supporting it from the... It, wasn't, well, it couldn't continue. So at that point, uh, we just have a, a little half page about what an Yerv uh, in the summer needs to be, some of the details. And we put it in every summer in the June issue, called the July issue, but it comes out in May or June. And it says, L'zeicha Nishmas by Yitzhak Isbi, who was supporting the work that we did in that area. There's no question that probably one of the most important forces behind Kashrus magazine has been all the years Rabbi Avri Jorvel, Avraham Jorvel from the OU. That time he was with Breuer's. I get a call, Rabbi Wickler, I have to come to see you. Okay, come. He said, if you're really serious about this thing, if you're really going to do a, a magazine on Kashrus, I have to show you what's going on in Kashrus. And he took us. He took me, I took the boys from the yeshiva, and, he, and, and, and together with me and them, we went, he, he and I, and the, the boys from the yeshiva, we went the first time, first time I went with him, we went to uh, hotels in Manhattan, went to two hotels, and he showed us the kashering of the two hotels and the problems in the two hotels, and he showed us how one is almost impossible, that it was extremely hard, and one is very easy to do. And he showed us exactly how he kashas. And it was an amazing, amazing Motzei Shabbos. I don't know what time we get back home, but it was an amazing Motzei Shabbos. Right after Shabbos, we went out there, and we, we got a real tour of how kashas is being done. Subsequently, I went with I'm sorry, for the OK, and he was working at, to help uh, train a mashkiach for Hamish uh, Hashkocha at the same time because the Hamish Hashkocha was giving Hashkocha and Rabbi Avri Jurevel is a maven should be maven how to properly kasha something so it was very 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 interesting Another person, what we call today kosher fest. In those days, it was called something else, and it was and it was a uh, program that was held in the. My advice of how to put it together. I told him what he needed to.
in the Javits Center. It was an amazing, amazing, amazing event, and never been so great, uh, so large again. But it had, he attracted tremendous audiences in the Javits Center. They get nice audiences now, but nothing compared to what the Javits Center had. Tremendous, tremendous success. Now Menachem Lubinsky runs it, and I've been involved with the show for over 30 years. So it's an amazing uh, kosher fest, it's an amazing show, and uh, these two gentlemen have been very helpful to me, um, Mr. Silverman and uh, Rabbi Lubinsky. One of the people that was behind there for me and he gave me articles and it was a very special relationship I had with Rabbi Dr. Philip Zimmerman who was the head of Frida Vitamins. It's not time now to go into all the details but he was constantly an advertiser and he was always sending articles and commenting. He was just there for me all the time. Amazing man. Um, Special appreciation all these years to Mendy, Lava Sholem Bauman, Dove Bauman of the Mechaim Mechaim, who won Glatmar, runs Glatmar, which is uh, very special. And Mr. Hollander, Lava Sholem, who was running Mealmart, tremendous relationship. We spoke many times over many issues, extremely supportive, very, very helpful. And then... Uh, you know, so the the writers that we have. I don't. I wish I could go and talk to you about all the writers. Some amazing the writers that we've had over the years. They went on to great careers. They started with me, but they went on to great careers. I can't tell you how many of them. I mean, some I'm not going to talk about because it, I, I don't want them to feel bad in any way that I that made it sound like they're not with me anymore. But the many many people we started off as beginning writers. It's one of the one of the fun parts of running Cautious Magazine is working with beginning writers, and I, I produced some fantastic ones. I mean, they're, I mean, they're the people who did it, but I supported them and helped them and worked with them in the beginning. Now that I'm in Lakewood, I read one of them regularly, <laughs> one of the writers that used to work with us for, for a while. Um, she writes uh, the regular columns in the, in, in here in Lakewood, and um, a lot of them have been very, very successful. Uh, there were two gentlemen who would, be, would shoot me if I mentioned their names, who worked behind the scenes on a daily basis, I should say a minute basis, and they are constantly searching for the different cashless agencies and updates on it. You can't believe how much time and effort they put into it. It's uh, the, the Messiris Nefesh for, for Klai Yisrael is, uh, is amazing. And when you see that booklet come out, the Kosher Supervision Guide, which is going to come out again in September, and you see the, the, the effort that's put into it, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. But they, again, they don't, for, for I don't mention their names, both of them. I sort of say for last, somebody that uh, I have a lot of connection with, Constantly, and this is somebody who I, he may even hear be hearing these words. I don't know if everybody else is hearing these words. But Rabbi Beryl Brody from uh, Detroit, from the C O R in Detroit, 
is somebody that uh, I, uh, I have a very special relationship with, and he has been a tremendous help with Cautious Magazine and just sort of keeping me <laughs> straight, not, not to veer too much this way or too much that way. And there are certain people that I get a chance to talk to, and it, it, it gives you perspective. Uh, he's one of them. Uh, in the, 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 there, are, there are others that I speak to, Rabbi Hoffman I speak to often, and other people who they give you a little perspective different than you would have yourself. It's extremely helpful. And uh, Rabbi Brody uh, and I have worked together on a number of projects, and we share information. And the people in the CRC in Chicago, Rabbi Fishbane, Rabbi David Cohn, these are people that, you know, keep the information going both ways. It's so important to the development of the final product of the course on the conscious magazine. And every conscious agency, I mean, I literally relate to hundreds of conscious agencies sending things back and forth between them. We really connect with all of the conscious agencies with a couple of emails a year, but world, and it's uh, it's always a new agencies come in or they contact us and tell us about some change of information or please let the people know this or please let them know that. Probably the most shocking of all was when I spoke to. Uh, I don't remember exactly how it was. I think I was at a, a wedding, and I and I we called home, or I think that's what it was. And they said there was a call from France. Call from France. Somebody called from France, and they wanted us to inform America about the toothpaste was coming in using that they were using chametz uh, sticker. Source in the toothpaste. No, it's not not difficult. If you just put it up on the website, it'll be up there in a day in all the websites. So you can form America very quickly. I do it in seconds. It doesn't take very long. But in those days, it took a lot to inform America about an important thing like a, a, a source that 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 was thought to be kidneyous was really chametz coming from Europe. So uh, that, you know we get to, we get that involvement with different people over the years, and it's it's been uh, very very interesting. Somebody said to me today, "Oh, we heard we moved to Lakewood, and am I retired?" I wish so. I, I'm not retired. Baruch Hashem, we continue the magazine. Uh, the 40 years is just a, a, a drop in the bucket. Bez Hashem is Baruch. I hope to continue for many more years to come to to, to spread the information about Kashmir to as many people as would like to have it. So if you're interested in any more about Kashmir magazine, Kashmir monthly, which comes out every month, or uh, our kosher supervision guide to the 1,456 kosher organizations across the world. If you're interested in the kosher travel guide, which comes out once a year, uh, the, the 2020 will come out soon, but the 2019 is still here. If you're interested in the PESA guide that's going to be coming out in, by Purim, let us know. You can contact us at 718 
336-8544, or I'll give you our Lakewood number, 732-534-9363. And the uh, email is kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Again, 718-336-8544, or 732-534-9363, or kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Now, I got a call today from somebody uh, who wants to know about a certain, uh, I mean, I get, I get plenty of calls. One call was, uh, was not from today, it was from a few days ago. Uh, rabbi calls up, his, one of his balabatim, they want to know about this particular establishment. So I told them no. You can't go there. You have to tell them no. But what's scary, was interesting, I mean, that's scary. There's one interesting thing happened Mose Shabbos. Somebody got through to me, which usually doesn't happen. They get through to me in the Mose Shabbos. But got through to me in Mose Shabbos, and they, and they asked me whether or not they could eat from this particular hashkachon. And I said, absolutely not. No question in my mind. Which, by the way, there aren't too many on this list. I think I just mentioned two of this very small list, but two, this one I told absolutely not. You couldn't, you couldn't eat there. And he said, "Well, what about having a drink?" So I said, "A drink? I mean, you can get a coffee or something like that. You can get uh, wherever you can get it, and you know, you can buy it. The place is considered to be kosher, so you're not going to have to be worried that they're doing something not kosher." Uh, as far as eating, you know, so as far as a drink and them being washed, the kale and being washed together, all that kind of stuff. So you you, you can drink if you if you know that it's kosher, so it, it shouldn't be a problem. So I told him that, but he said, but I can't eat anything. I said no, and I said to, that uh, the uh, I, 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 she'll forgive you. That said. He, he he chuckled because that's obviously he was out on a date with his or with his wife or either way, and he had to make the decision and uh, he had the sense to call me and Baruch Hashem I was able to help him and believe me, if you knew what, what I'm talking about, you would say you're right. You gave, you gave him the right advice. Unfortunately, many people feel pressured into making decisions that they really wouldn't do if they had the time. Another gentleman called me today, and he was, uh, uh, it was no get, his family eating in a certain place. And I explained, and he said, uh, it's not on the list of them, the CRC from Chicago. It's not a recommended list. I tried to explain to him what is going on in that community, which I don't think is so terrible. I, don't, I basically didn't uh, discourage him from using it, but I gave him a contact number of somebody who lives there, who, a Rav who works in that, who lives in that area, and he would be able to tell him exactly what the story is about this particular vod. Why it's not on the list of recommended from the CRC in Chicago, I don't know. I think I'm going to try to ask Rabbi Fishbane. It seems to me that it should be as good as everybody else in the the vadim who, you know, who they have listed there. Maybe they not familiar with that vod too much. Maybe there's some secret that I don't know. So these are. A little bit behind the scenes of what goes on to try to make a decision about what to eat, and uh, everybody does have to do that extra 
due diligence to make the, the decision on uh, whether this particular establishment or hashkacha is fits in the category of what's acceptable to them. Again, a simple solution which many people should have. And if you don't have a, if you don't do the computer, let somebody else in your family or friends get the information for you. You can go to the CRC web.org crcweb.org and uh, look for the list of other agencies they have a list of about 150 cashless agencies that you could rely upon without any concern as far as they're they have determined so this is uh, not something i'm recommending i'm not recommending a list but i can tell you that it's a very solid list and if anybody wants to rely upon it from the CRC, Chicago Rabbinical Council, it's a very good list to get. It's about 14, 15 pages, and you can have it with you. Just one piece of advice. If you do that, every two, three months, get another list again because they change. They put people on. They take people off. So this gives you a little bit of a, of update on what's going on in Kashas today. This has been your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And uh, if you'd like to meet, reach us again, 718-336-8544-732-534-9363 or Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Till next week, wishing you a wonderful week. Anywhere, anytime, for everyone. This is jrootradio.com.